Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 16th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Happy anniversary, buddy! Oh, thanks. I didn't get you anything because, you know, I totally forgot that it was our... You know, you're a terrible husband. Well, no, see, here's the thing is that I have on the calendar, <laughs> always have the Anti-Up Poker Media yeah. anniversary, which yeah. is coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I always forget the podcast one, and that's really sad, right? Because if we didn't have the podcast, we wouldn't have the Anti-Up Poker Media anniversary. So I'm right. glad, I'm glad that you're there to remind me of what's truly important. Twelve years. We're prepubescent. Wow. Boy, we were terrible then, or probably worse now. <laughs> Uh, it explains a lot of our behavior on the show that we're still not even 13 years old yet. But um, yeah, I, at first I thought it was 11, uh, 11 years, and I was like, "Oh no, wait a minute, oh five. So yeah, so 12 years, man. That's that's crazy. That's like seventh grade. Yeah, exactly. And that was a great grade for me. So I thought it'd be a great year. <laughs> My voice cracking and. You're we are, ignoring me, zits popping everywhere. We are recording on the actual anniversary, the 15th. The show posts for the 16th. But we are recording on the actual anniversary today, so that's pretty crazy. We used to do the show on, uh, do we do it on Friday? We used to do it on Wednesdays, and then we push it to Fridays. Now we do it on Thursdays, but post it on Fridays. Eh, show's been all over the map. Well, here's the other thing, too, is that you can tell that, that we're complete divas now, right? Because back when we started this show, it was the two of us sitting together, right? Mm-hmm. With a little recorder in front of us doing it. And uh, now, now we're at our own home, comfort our own homes, doing it on Skype. Now, we don't even see each other anymore, so it's, you know, it's like Suzanne Summers' like, last four episodes of Three's Company. You know? Yeah, she's phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, you know, if you changed your little uh, Skype image to a picture of you, I could gaze hungrily into that... Uh... That face of yours, but no, you got our little logo there, so I can't even do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let me think about that. All right, but it is that. a picture of us doing the show, so that's close enough, I guess. That's true. Well, happy anniversary. All right, thank you. All right, Saturday Night Live along Chris Parnell has been tapped to host a new six-episode Poker Central show called Poker Nights. Boy, they put a lot of time and effort on that night. <laughs> uh, it's going to feature a rotating cast of players joining Parnell's poker game. I love Parnell. I loved him on Saturday Night Live. I loved him on Thirty Rock. He's just hilarious. I yeah, love his little I guest spots. Because there was a brief moment when half of my friends thought he died a couple weeks ago. What? When the Soundgarden died? Got oh, died. oh, yeah. <laughs> no. They're like, no, no, not not the Saturday Night Live guy. The the guy that everybody likes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I like Chris Pardell too. He's a he's he's a good bit guy right he, yeah you know he does he's like the doctor on some i forget what show he's the doctor on but maybe that's 30 rock yeah 30 rock yeah he's 30 rock he's, he's doctor spichemin yeah exactly so he's good at that role so i don't know i i don't know well who's gonna be good at in the holding the show together but i'm gonna guess that a lot of these players are people that know him well so it's gonna be you know it's like viewing a home game of really funny people with a couple poker pros that probably are gonna destroy him right <laughs> yeah i saw helmet's gonna be on it yeah so yeah, I I just I think Parnell's just everything he touches is funny. So I think he's going to be really good in this, and um, I like to see some of it somehow. Wow, uh, I think it's all on the web. So it's I guess yeah, you know, I'm still working well, out this web thing. So this, right? yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I yeah. you know I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to pay to stream to see it, but uh, there's a lot of people who just love everything poker, and if they love Parnell and everything poker, they'll do it. So good for them. Yeah, it's a little bit of a um, kind of a mix of the old celebrity poker showdown, right? I 
I guess. With one of those home game shows. Was there, there was a Hollywood home game. That's what I was thinking. Hollywood home game. Oh, yeah. That had, uh, that had Phil Locke in that. I think uh, Phil Locke was in that. I, I remember it was Vince Van Patten, right? Oh, yeah. I think. But, yeah, so it was just like watching, like, stars sit around and play poker. So, you know, that was fun back in the day. It might be fun now just because they, ha- they haven't done it. You know, the Ring and Back Battle of the Network stars, too. Oh, I saw that, and they're, they're, that was a great show. I they keep that. bringing back all these shows now. It's because they can't come up with anything original. To yeah. tell the truth is coming back. They've got the they have match game with well, Alex. Was pretty good, actually. Uh, Alec Baldwin was pretty. Alec good. Baldwin, yeah. He's no I mean, Gene Rayburn, but you know, he's, yeah, he's no Gene Rayburn. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, maybe it's time that uh, these poker shows have come full circle, and now people will get behind it. So you know, obviously, we always love people to support all. Kinds of poker media, so hopefully it'll take off. But I, I have to admit, I don't know who these other people are. I don't know if they're just his friends from like his neighborhood, or if these are actual performers who are his friends. Oh boy, or... yeah, I hope you're. I hope that's not the case. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, I don't I know who those people, people are. that you know, right? Whether either the poker people or comedians or <laughs> actors or yeah, I mean it's an actual cast, so they'll be there every week, I guess, in this series. So I just I don't know them, but I know Parnell and I know guys like Helmuth are going to be there, so that's going to be pretty funny. It's it's later in the summer, so it's coming soon. Uh, well, you know what? It's funny that you talk about poker shows, though, because I have an idea for a poker sitcom. Good. I'm glad you're finally going to tell us about it. Well, uh, oh, I mean, at the very least, it, it could be a sort of a, a plot that kicks off a sitcom. Like, it's a, a, a point. You remember when uh, Seinfeld was doing his his little pilot while he was on his own show and it involved the guy being a butler? Yep. Remember that? So, this could be the thing. So, I... You know, I've been playing a lot of this Poker Star stuff. Uh, you know, I played the, the Papes event a little while ago and just staying, going on there every once in a while to just see how things are going and experiment other games, things like that. And I thought it would be pretty hilarious. You know how when we were, when it was the Poker Boom and like even our own poker ads, they'd have like codes for you to get like a bonus. You know, you sign up using this code or whatever and you get a bonus. And then I remember back when... I think I signed up for my first code. <coughs> it might have been like, might have been full tilt, and it's like use this code and get six hundred dollars, you know, for cash for cash games or whatever the hell it was. So you sign up for the code, and then you log into your account, and you're like, all right, where's the six hundred dollars? And you're like, well, what's going on here? There's no six hundred dollars. So then you're like. You play for a little while, you call and you complain or something, or you're writing a complaint, and then they write you back and say, oh, you got to earn it, you know, like... The old-fashioned way. Yeah, for every $100 you play or lose or something, you'll get $20 toward that 600 or something, you know. And it's like, well, this is just a rake-back thing. It's not even really a bonus. So you can see how it could easily be misunderstood, what was going on there, you know, and so you would think you're going to get that 600 bucks instantly, you don't, you get nothing until you've earned it and all that. So, what I was thinking was, be in that same vein... You're never going to pitch this to NBC and take it this long. <laughs> well, I'm doing it like George. This is the way George did it. <laughs> it's a show about nothing. Alright. So, imagine a guy who says, oh, Poker Stars, I, you know, I want to play on Poker Stars. So, he signs up for the account, and then he just goes right to a table and starts playing, and he's given $12,500. And he's like, whoa, this is awesome. What an awesome promotion. I get $12,500 right off the bat to play with. This is great. And he starts playing, and he starts winning, and he's just he's cranking through and just turning 12000 into 200000 and then all of a sudden he's got a million. He's like, man, this is awesome. And it says right on the table, play money table. You know, play money, man. Play for money. This is great. And this guy's going crazy, and he's making all his money. He's like, shit, I am really a good poker player, man. I'm going to quit my job and retire. And so the guy quits his job, and he and he loses all this, all this. you know, you get no credit anymore. He's got, he thinks he's got all this cash. He goes to cash it in. It's like, it's play money. He's like, what do you mean it's play money? And he's like, yeah, play money. You know, I want to play for money. And you're like, no, no, it's play money. He's like, what do you mean it's play money? And he doesn't understand. This guy is so stupid, he doesn't get it. Now he's in debt. He lost his job. You know what I mean? This is a sitcom, I think, that would go over very well <laughs> in like a six-episode thing, you know, on, on Poker Central, 
where, you know, not Chris Parnell, but, you know, maybe Andy Samberg could pull this one off. You know what I'm saying? The guy thinks he's playing with real money because you don't understand these promotional things. It says play for money right on the, on the, on the thing. And he's like, all right, I'm, this is great. They give me this for a bonus. I sign up. Look, I'm getting 12,000 chips for free. And they've turned it into a million. This is great. And he finds out he's terrible. You know, I mean, there's so many ways you can go with this sitcom. Um, well, you know, all these shows that we talked about are coming back. Mm. The other show that I, and this is absolutely uh, the truth, it's coming back, is The Gong Show. And I wish I had a gong right now because that's, <laughs> it, it's not going anywhere, Chris. But it's play money. If he looks at this, the screen the wrong way or if he just signs up to play for free, and then it, they give, you know how people in the casino, we've heard, how many stories have we heard in the casino where they take the tournament chips and go to the cashier and want to cash out for 45 grand? And they're like, no, you, this not forty five grand. It's a plate chips. You, don't, you know, I mean, people believe shit like that. I'm telling you, this could yeah. work. All right, so you know the kind of how people say that uh, when they watch a TV show, they're like, eh, I don't know if it's a show. It's more like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and then you know when people watch a Saturday Night Live skit and go, that was like a one line joke. Yeah, yeah. And you know when people say it's a one line joke, but it really wasn't funny at all. Yeah, yeah. There's still another level we have to go to get to where you are. Wait a minute. You and I were both duped into thinking that Runner Runner was actually about poker. Okay? They got us in the doors based on one thing that lasted about 45 seconds. And then we watched the rest of the movie unfold. How could this TV show not be like, this guy thought for real that he was getting all this real money, and then he quits his job and gets into debt because he lets his, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Like Seinfeld's Butler, like this, this it's just like a way to get you into the show about how this idiot pulls himself out from the muck. And I mean, come on! Oh man, well, I, I, I wish you luck on the, uh, the treatment that you're going to send off to NBC for this one. Okay. Um, oh, I figured Netflix are easier to sell things to. I don't know. Netflix is actually putting out good programming now. Because well, all the other networks are turning them down because they can't handle the formats. But Netflix, you know, they'll, they, they'll publish anything. But, but here's one piece of advice. <laughs> Be sure whoever you're pitching it to is not a big of a Three's Company fan as I am. <laughs> because there's an entire episode built around this back in the 70s. See? <clears throat> when Jack went to a uh, charity uh, casino and lost all his money, and then he came home and he was all depressed because he didn't have the money to lose because, you know, he, he had to live at the YMCA before he moved in with the girls, right? Right. And then Larry was like, come on. Oh, no. Uh, so he found, uh, Jack found like one ship buried in his pocket he didn't know about. And uh, and then Larry's like, come on, let's go back. We'll get that money back. And then they ended up getting so much money uh, that they're like, they thought they were rich. And then the yes. little yes. tiny trophy. Yes, yes. See, if they could do it for an episode, I'd be happy. Like, if, if just anyone out there, uh, you know, as a writer for a TV show and they want to convert this into an episode, I would be ecstatic that I just made an episode of another show. Oh, but I'm sure you would be ecstatic if someone did this. There you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's 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 just a little little, you know. All you gotta do is plant the seed, and it can grow. I'm telling you. I think this seed's gonna need a lot of water, buddy. But uh, I appreciate it. Hey, that's all we're getting down here in Florida. So I'm used to the water <laughs> getting. I'm telling you, this is this is. There's something there, buddy. Like they say well, in beauty, like there. they say in Beauty and the Beast, there's something there that wasn't there before. I'm telling you. Yeah, like, like 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> you never get that back, buddy. Now you know how I feel when you're rambling about parking garages. Thank you very much. Oh, man. All right, so World Series updates uh, through event 18. Uh, nearly 4,000 players fired multiple bullets in event 5, the $565 buy-in Colossus. With one player entering 12 times. Was that you, Chris? That was me. Uh, a total of 18,054 entries made the tournament the third largest in history. Daniel Negreanu, who needs to win three bracelets this summer to win a prop bet, finished runner-up to Abe Muzeri in event number nine, a $10,000 buy-in Omaha 8 event. Nippin Java and Aditya Sushant, not their real names because that's not how they pronounce them, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, became the first Indian-born players to win World Series bracelets when uh, they won Event 10, the $1,000 buy-in tag team event. And finally, at age 22, Adrian Mateos became the youngest player to win three bracelets when he won Event 15, the $10,000 buy-in heads-up championship. 22, and he's got three bracelets. Man. I mean, I know a lot of 22-year-olds. 
let me tell you how amazing this is. <laughs> because I know a lot of 22 year olds who can't even spell three. Never mind, win three <laughs> bracelets against the world's toughest competition. Wow, that's and pretty crazy. Our heads up championship. Not only is it $10,000, which puts it, prices it out of most players, it's a heads up, which is not an easy bracelet to win. Yeah. And he's 22. Crazy. Um, a couple other things. Uh, the uh, the Indian-born players story is pretty interesting because the guy that he they, they ended up playing, but there was one guy that was supposed to play, and he overslept. They couldn't wake him up. So they had to get, wow. I think it was, they had to get Aditya to play with Nippon. And it's like, he wasn't even supposed to play. And they win the bracelet together. That was pretty cool. Uh, so that's the second uh, bracelet that Granu had in his grasp and didn't win too, right? Because he was close with the tag team, uh, the other tag team, originally. Yeah, so uh, he, he must have been on to something. He must have knew he was going to do well this year, but he's got to close the deal. Um, well, and then that third way through this, so I'm going to say already the story of this World Series is the tag team events. I think both yeah. of them have had great stories yep. on the winners. I don't, th- I don't think they have any more. I think they just had the two on the schedule, but couldn't ask for two better stories in the tag team. Yes, yeah, it's awesome. I've never, never even thought about that, and it's so weird. You know how many you can get four people in one of these things, and then they can all get bracelets. How do you even prepare for that? Yeah. Like, what do they do? They like make the bracelets just in case, and then melt them down if they don't. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but. Um, pretty cool. And then that guy who entered 12 times at seven grand. Yeah, it was funny. It was, I saw some chatter early on that, that uh, people were real surprised that the total field size was down um, over last year. I believe I didn't go back and, and double-check how much it was down. But, um, but you know, the criticism was that it's um, – and I think it's a fair criticism, but I think it's also fair what the World Series is doing. I mean, it's a $565 buy-in, so you're not getting the structure you would get in the $10,000 buy-in event, right? Yeah. And um, so, you know, people were complaining that people weren't entering as much this year because it was an absolute shove fest um, with the, the ship stack you get and, and how quickly the blinds go up. But, you know, that's what you get when you – you got to give a little to get a little, right? So if you want a good structure um, that lasts a long time, you're going to have a higher buy-in, um, and maybe not, uh, certainly not a field size anywhere near this. But this is a way that the World Series could do it, where they could get a really big field size. And you know, the guy that won got a million bucks for five sixty-five. I mean, even if he he was the guy that entered twelve times and he wasn't, still a pretty good day at the office. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I think that the the size is down a little bit just because you got the the people that that see it as a lottery not playing anymore, but still had eighteen thousand entries. That's pretty impressive. And over four thousand players. I mean, that's what's crazy about it is four thousand players generated eighteen thousand entries. Well, no, right? it's four thousand or... players fired <clears throat> multiple bullets. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I misread that. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, um, I don't know how the actual number of human beings. They yeah. Have. Wow. But still, that's crazy. it was. Much smaller than eighteen thousand. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine the poor, the poor guy who's like, "Honey, I'm going to enter the World Series this year. It's a lifelong dream, and they have an event that's only five hundred sixty-five dollars. I'm collecting cans, you know. <laughs> My bankroll's been doubling with play money on Poker Stars. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so I'm going to go play the Colossus. He hands over his only five hundred sixty-five dollars." Sits out of the table and five guys shove when he has, yeah. The guy shoves when he has aces, and they all they all shove on him or something, and you know his aces get cracked because he's going up against five hands at once, and he's out like in three hands. And oh man, yeah, you don't want to enter the Colossus unless you're gonna. I mean, a lot of them didn't, obviously. If only four thousand multiple, even if they all did three, it's only twelve thousand. That's still six. That's still ten thousand players in the event who didn't, you know, total. So, but yeah, can you imagine the poor guy who gets to the table with? You know, with all these guys who want to, ugh, what a shame. Yeah, but great stories so far. Great stories, and we're only, and that's only through 18, 18 events that we've gone through. They're, they're through like 24 now, or whatever, but uh, yeah, so this will keep going for, for a long time. Okay, any updates? The schedule for the 2017 Annie Up World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 20th to August 6th, has been announced. The 18-event series features more than $1 million in guarantees, including a 500K guarantee main event, three other multi-day events, and a heads-up championship. For more details on this and all Annie Up Poker Tour events, visit AnnieUpPokerTour.com. 
Any Up Partner Advanced Poker Training will be hosting an all-day strategy seminar July 1st at the Rio, home of the World Series of Poker. Presenters include current world champion Queen Nguyen, former Annie Up columnist Jonathan Little, and former world champ Scotty Nguyen. Register at advancedpokertraining.com. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This comes from Malcolm O'Malley. He's heard of him. He's a, he's a, I, think he's, I think he's submitted one, a thing or two in the past. I'm not sure. Uh, he says, a friend is getting into poker a lot more lately and wants a legal outlet to play more often. Since we live in Utah, that means one thing, a 90-minute drive to Wendover. His question was, if he wants to do it right, how much should his bankroll be? I told him 10 times the max buy-in was a good rule of thumb. However, Wendover has some strange max buy-ins. The max buy-in for their 1-2 game is 500 bucks. To me, that's way too high. I usually do fine buying in for 200 uh, so I told him 2000 will be fine. He said, really? I've been okayed by the wife to... Uh, do, uh, do I need that much? Uh, and I thought, well, maybe not. Would 2000 be overkill for a guy planning to on playing just once a month? Or does he? Is that seem about right? Keep in mind, once the money's gone, it's gone. But he gets to keep what he wins. More wife rules. Now, I know we've only been doing this for 12 years. <laughs> but it feels like we answered this like last week or something. Like, Didn't we answer this question already on the show? We had a bankroll discussion not too long ago, I believe, yes. And it was like the exact same question, wasn't it? Well, I don't think it's the exact same. So the one thing I think is different about this, because we, we have talked about bankrolls a lot and the dif- difference. Like, you know, you actually have a bankroll. I don't. I just, you know, co-mingle and I, and I know my limits, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and there's all kinds of ideas out there on what the proper bankroll is and everything. Um, this is interesting to me because... He's only going. He's only playing what a couple times a month. Yeah, if, if that once right? a month. At the end, he says once a month. Yeah, once a month. So once a month. So if you're playing one session once a month, and of course it depends on how long the session is. If you're one once a month is a twenty day nonstop session. That's a different story. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's like like a normal session, four or five, six hours or whatever, right? Right. If you're only doing that once a month then you probably don't need as much or certainly don't need anywhere near as much as if you're playing every day, which is usually what I think the bankroll calculations are based on, right? Right. I would think. So um so yeah, I would think, you know, if you're gonna buy in for two hundred, I mean well again, I mean I think here's the thing is if you're playing a better rule of thumb for a recreational player like this is number of buy ins. I would think, right? So yes. if you're going to buy in for 200 and you're going to have a second buy-in ready to go, and that's your cap for the night, um, so it's 400 bucks every time you go. So it just depends on how long you want this to last. That's how I would base it on. Like If you want to be sure that you can go once a month for 12 months and you're going to fire two bullets, then that's 4,800 is what you need. Yeah. You- Six months would be twenty four hundred. If you're talking three months, then less. So, um, and that's worst case scenario. That's you losing both buy ins every single time before you run out of money, right? And that should not happen. Yeah, that's it's tough. I mean, ten times a buy in is huge. Like if if you had to have two grand in your bankroll, that makes sense to me. That's what the rule you. I mean, when we used to, whenever I would read the books. Back in the day, or we'd have people on the show and they would talk about it, or I would just watch poker shows and they would have suggestions. They always said ten times the buying of the game you're playing is what you should have in your bankroll. And by bankroll, they mean what you should have in your reserves. They don't mean take ten times your buy-in with you. Because I've always seen, to piggyback on that, that they always say bring three buy-ins with you. Always bring three buy-ins with you when you go play. Not two, three. I'm just saying what they say. And and that makes kind of sense because let's say you sit down and you drive 90 minutes to Wendover and you sit down and very first rotation you get pocket ace and they get cracked. You just drove 90 minutes and sometimes more to play three hands. And now you're going to leave? So no, so you say, all right, well, that was that was a cold deck. 
you know, I chalk that up to just variance. I know I'm better than this. I'm buying it again. Then you buy in and you go about two hours and then you somehow get it all in with the nut flush and a guy pairs the board and boats up on you and you're like, all right, well, all right, I made a mistake, but I had the best hand going in twice. Uh, let me. I've only been here two hours. I really have the whole day planned. Let me try one more time. After that, you're like, all right, I'm down 600 if you lost it again. But, I mean, there, there seems to be a, a balance to three buy-ins. I usually bring... I usually bring three buy-ins when I when I play. Um, but the overall bankroll, this question just cannot be answered. It just can't. It be- depends on a lot of variables. Right? Exactly. Look at your. I mean, your, yours made perfect sense. But you can't and you can't plan to go broke every month. Otherwise, if you're going to go broke, if you go broke three months in a row, stop playing poker. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right. So you don't need forty eight hundred. So what you need is eighteen hundred. Maybe you need three buy-ins for three months and if you're not making money by the end of three months or at least breaking even and being able to sustain that bankroll you need to stop playing you know so then 4800 is a ridiculous number because if you can play you're not going to need that much but at the same time you know if you're stubborn and you have enough money that you could you know i can't imagine this guy had to beg his wife to be able to play he's not going to go up to her and say okay i need five grand she's never going to let him play so a more workable number seems to me okay so if i had 600 all right so just give me i think the 2000 number is pretty decent but if that seems like too much if you go to the wife and say look i need i need like 1500 or something you know she might say okay go ahead or or whatever but if there's no chance of actually having a bankroll to dip into then you need to just come up with like two buy-ins like scott said which would be 400 times three so maybe just say 1200 or a thousand to her and just hope you win after the first couple of times to build it up. You know, I mean, I, I've told the story a couple of times on the show, but I'm still playing on my original 45 bucks that I played at Derby Lane the first time I went down there and won the tournament. And it was just a 30-player single, but it was a decent amount of money. And from there, I never had to, I never went broke. You know, I played a lot online back then and, and won a lot, but I, I don't know. I guess if... It, He's in Utah. You could probably go to Nevada and then get an online account, you know. Well, that's that's Wendover. That's where they're going. So, yeah, so that's the other way, too. That's actually a good point you brought up is that they're driving there to play at the actual casino where they literally could drive there and sit at a Starbucks and play online right. for smaller stakes. Not as exciting, but right. it's, it's a way to do it without um, putting yourself at risk. I mean... You know, the other thing, it, it, the real trouble with this game is, and this is where I hate that people have limited options, is that it, it's a $500 max buy-in here. And now O'Malley says he usually does five buying of a 200, so we kind of based it off two bullets of 400. But, you know, you get there late at night, and there could be people with two, $3,000 on the table in front oh, of you. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. And yep. you're buying 200, and, and all you brought in reserve was another 200. That's a tough night. So you almost want to probably... I'd probably adjust it and try to get there when tables are opening. So at least you're starting out with with 200 when everybody else has 500, and not have to deal with that. So there's there's other variables too that to throw in there as well. Yeah, I I always buy in for two, like in our games when it's like one three, um, people can buy in for three. I, I'm just more comfortable with 200 for some reason. I don't know what it is, but I just feel more comfortable with 200. I don't know if it's my style or whatever, but uh, 200 is a good rule of thumb. I think for a one two game, it's you know. It's enough buy-ins, I think, that, you know, 100 buy-ins is, or 100 uh, big blinds, I mean, is is enough for me. But, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I don't think you want to go with with doing, you know, it just depends. After a few months, you'll know. You'll get an idea. Okay, every time I go, I seem to make 60 bucks or so, or, you know, I've never really lost my entire buy-in. I've made the 200 last the whole time. Once you realize that after three or four months of doing it, then it's like, okay, I don't really need two grand. I need, like, 600, you know, or whatever. And I'm winning, so I'm building it up. But if you start, if you lose all your buy-ins three months in a row, find another hobby. Yeah, well, I don't think you'd even get that far. I mean, I think the fact that it's a mat is a good backup here. I'm like, you know, part of the reason you take a second bullet is, one is, you know, a little confidence build, so you can make a move that you're not worried about, this is my last 200 bucks, right? Right. But the other part is, is that, especially, I mean, this happened to me before. I remember, God, back when I was, when I first moved to Florida, uh, my my brother came down to visit, and we lived in Pensacola, and we drove what, two and a half hours over to Biloxi, 
uh, to play blackjack for the day, right? Yeah. And I got one of those, uh, you know, I was doing one of those stupid systems that are terrible, right? And I ended up with like $75 on the table on my bet because I had it on a run, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I got, I split the cards and doubled down on all of them and lost all of them. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, get in the car, we're going home. Uh, so it's tough when you make that long drive and you get there and, you know, your races get cracked on the first hand. And then so you know, having the extra 200 to put in there will keeps you in the game. So it's not a wasted trip. But the fact that it's Nevada here, I think you could, if you really wanted to, it's probably not ideal. But you could go there with just your 200, hope it works out. And if you get knocked out early, now you can log on to your laptop and, you know, play a $10 tournament or something. Yeah. And yeah. You're still getting your poker fix in. But it's not costing you another two hundred dollars. It's costing you two hundred and ten, yeah, or two fifty, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to put in for the tournament or the cash game, I guess, for that matter, online. Yeah. Um. So that that's a good backup, I think, that not everybody has um, an option to do. Yeah. The the drive is the thing. Like ninety minutes. You know, if, if you're gonna do it, you must make. And, and I don't know. I mean, you could get across the border probably faster than Wendover. So if you want to just do online, maybe you get there and. An hour or something. I, I don't know. I have no idea how I far. I think it's around the corner. I could be wrong. But yeah, yeah. but still. Okay. Yeah, I what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcastandandyatmagazine.com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Uh, we don't know who sent this to us. Well, we do. But, but we do, but it's anonymous. We, they we, wish to <laughs> remain anonymous. So they have a little paper bag hit over their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of the gong show, the unknown comic. Uh, a casino I frequent re- uh, regularly has a promotion called Tournament Player of the Quarter, TPQ. Players have $3 taken out of their buy-in for a TPQ prize pool, and at the end of the quarter, the top 10 players earning the most points share the prize pool. Tournament points are non-transferable and non-negotiable, and this is communicated by the tournament director to all players who might get any points based on their chip count as the final table plays down to a winner or a chop. At the final table, three players asked that the clock be stopped, and they huddled nearby. <clears throat> they discussed how they would play a hand to maximize the amount of chips going to a specific player. Two of the three players were in the top ten players of the quarter. A chop had been agreed to prior to the huddle, but the final hand was played, and one of the players ended the tournament with significantly more chips than he would have had normally had if the final hands not been played. The next day, the three players were informed the TPQ points they were awarded the previous night were being taken away. Minor slap on the wrist, in my opinion. My contention is the colluding players were stealing from all players that had been awarded TPQ points that placed them in the top 10 spots and eligible for a percentage of the promotion prize pool at the end of the quarter. What do you say? Elliot says, I'm assuming after the players broke from the huddle, a hand was played that distributed chips in a desirable way for the players in the season-long top 10. So basically, they made a deal that distributed the cash, and then the points were awarded according to where things stood after the deal, and the extra hand was played. Traditionally, when a deal is agreed upon whereby the cash awards are set in stone, no more hands are played. Mostly because it's a waste of time, but more important because it has has the effect that you described. It doesn't matter whether it's a season-long prize or a best all-around type of promotion. The points should never be divvied up by the players on their whims. To maintain fairness and integrity, points can't be brokered in deals. Inclusion must be dealt with firmly. Collusive behavior typically avoids the payout of bad beat jackpots and other cash game promotions. And this important rule should be applied to tournament play as well. Acts of collusions are expressly forbidden by TDA Rule 64. This applies to the entire tournament in addition to the play of any specific hand. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, the remedy from the casino was to take points uh, away from the players that participated in the deal. That is not quite the slap on the wrist you described. Based on the point schedule, this action could easily knock one or more of them out of contention for any or all season-long prizes. Based on the rather identifiable and obvious collusion that seemed to have occurred, I felt I feel that it is needed to follow up with these players' removal from that season's points board. These players may continue to play tournaments but would not be eligible for the points promo. Further collusive behavior should result in the application of harsher penalties up to and including being barred from tournament play or ultimately the poker room. So he's thinking that it, it's not even... like. And at first it made it sound like when the way I was reading it was Elliot was saying, you know, it was actually a pretty decent penalty because, you know, it could take him out of the season long thing and that's good. But then he made it sound like, no, that's not enough. Since it was so obvious what they were doing, these guys should be, you know, punished 
more severely, right? Yeah, I think what, what happened here is I think our, our letter writer here really thought that these guys should get a major penalty, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, and, and just losing the points from the night before were nowhere wasn't no, nowhere near as strong as he thought. And I think from what I'm reading from Elliot is Elliot's like, okay, well that was a fair enough uh, resolution to it. A better solution might have been to eliminate them from the entire competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think it was a way of saying, hey, I don't think we automatically need to go to the worst case scenario here. Um, but a worser case scenario would have been what he would have done. Okay. That's my guess. Uh, okay. So I know I'm the cheap one in the in the partnership here, but do you, am I wrong for thinking I don't want to pay $3 to be part of something that I'm not going to – what if I want to show up to play a tournament one day and I just feel like playing a tournament? I'm giving 3 bucks to this thing. It's not like it's the – it's the player fund, like in the cash game for bad beats, because you're there and you can win it. If I know there's no chance, I'm playing three months of this, you know, of tournaments to try to qualify for this prize pool. Why would I want to give them the free three dollars? That doesn't seem right. You should be able to opt out of that. Yeah, I'm gonna guess there's one of two things. One, either you opt in, not opt out. So, yeah, you give them the extra three bucks if you want to be eligible for these points. Um, or more likely, this is a small locals room. I would think, by the way, the the chop happened and the discussion went on with nobody stepping in from the poker room to tell them that they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, that this is like a, a small locals room where they don't tend to have a lot of Chris Casenzas just showing up to play once every while. It's probably the same people playing every day, so it's not that big a deal. There's probably fewer players that are essentially wasting three bucks by playing okay yeah i would i would definitely like pipe up there if they if they forced me to do it i'd be like hey and i know it's only three bucks but still you know that's three dollars that i i'm never getting back and it serves me no purpose because i'm not playing this you know these tournaments and everything but if it if it's an opt-in then that's fine well i'm hoping this whole thing is a learning experience for the casino because um i i guess when you set up a um a promotion like this you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? You don't want to sit there and think, oh, my God, how are people going to twist this? Um, so I'm not going to criticize them for that. But now I think now it needs to be clear somehow, whether in you sign something at the beginning of the tournament or they make an announcement at the beginning of every tournament that um, that if you make a deal, that deal is it. You can't yeah. go back and make a side deal on points so and that is collusion you know it's tough to say I, I, you know I, I think most of us would probably say these guys knew exactly what they're doing and knew what was wrong but it's possible they didn't it's possible they thought that you know hey we, we split up the uh, the money and now let's let's play for the points and you know it's not defensible in any way but you know it, it could it could have been solved by the poker room being much more clear on how these situations should happen and why they can't. So um, when I originally wrote back to the uh, the letter writer, I was I was curious, and Ellie didn't mention it, but I was curious whether there was some kind of gaming control um, issue that might prevent you from disqualifying these people from the contest. Yeah. Based on this, because I mean, obviously, from our point of view, this is collusion, and I wouldn't have a problem with these people being completely kicked out of it, like Elliot said could or in his probably preferred method would be. But I can see those players saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, we didn't include in the tournament. We we, we cashed, and we, I mean, we did our, our deal, and then we played one more hand for, for the points. It didn't seem like that big a deal. Now you're kicking us out. Um, so that it could open you up to that kind of thing. So I, I kind of feel bad for the casino because no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're trying to put together a promotion to get people to play more tournaments. I'm sure that's what's going on here. Um, and then you got a, a couple of these Deutsche banks that that can't be happy with the promotion that they had to find a way to angle shoot it, and now it causes all kinds of other problems. So I, I'd be curious for a follow up from Anonymous on you know what what the reaction to these players were uh, for losing their points and whether the casino is doing anything more proactive going forward to explain the promotion and what you should or should not be doing with these points. Yeah. It's time to kick off a brand new O'Malley's move. Here it comes.
and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. We bought in for $200 and are currently down about 15 bucks. The player to our left straddles under the gun to $6. He's a loose player that is experienced in the game and likes to see flops. He started the hand with 100 more than us, 285. The action goes around the table, and there are three callers to us with the king of hearts, king of clubs, in the big blind. We make it $40 to go. The under the gun straddler calls, and with about $90 in the pot, the flop is the queen of diamonds, seven of hearts, four of clubs. We make a bet of $50 into the pot, leaving us about 100 behind. The under the gun quickly calls. The turn is the four of spades. It's to us. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, Michael Cantor's back. Yes. The hand of the week. I haven't heard from him in a while, but he says uh, he was in D.C. for work and went to National Harbor MGM. Actually, I think it's MGM National Harbor, but maybe not. But um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to go to that room. I don't know if I'm going to have time to stop when I... I'm up there next month, but I would love to. Um, he says, it's a Wednesday night. There are many tables running um, and even a few mixed games. Wow. Nice. Uh, um, he says, I go to D.C. a lot for conferences, so very happy, and only $18 each way from downtown D.C. Oh, that's a good old tip. Yeah. Uh, I was playing 1-3 uh, Hold'em. The table was pretty aggressive. The guy sitting to my left had been playing for 45 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Must have driven over from Utah. <laughs> And had what looked like 6K in front of him. Uh, I'd been mainly down all night and was not getting cards for the last 45 minutes. Uh, plus, it was my last round. I was in middle position. I was going to leave in the blinds. Came to me. Oh, we know what's going to happen here, right? Mm. Uh, I was down to 175 for my starting 300. Uh, the end of the gun player raises to 12. Uh, the end of the gun plus one calls. And we look down at pocket kings. Oh... I mean, I, you have to raise. Um, you have to raise because, I mean, so we said it's under the gun, under the gun raise, and then we get a caller. Yeah, you have to raise. I'm under the gun plus one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have a raise and a call from the two worst spots. Yeah, yeah, you have to raise uh, for a lot of reasons. I think if somebody has ace-ace under the gun, I think that they'll come back at you and you'll, you know, you, whatever. I mean, you're going to find out. But if you just call here, I mean, one of those two is going to have an ace. One of those two is going to have, like, a set mining hand or something that you're just not going to know where you stand, um, you know, unless you flop a huge. So, I mean, I think you need to get more. Plus, you've, you've been playing, you're down. You want to get some more money in the pot anyway. And if not, you'd be happy to take, you know, 25 30 bucks down right now and, and get some momentum there. So. Yeah, your last hand, I mean, really, this is like the doctor's creed here. You want to do no harm now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I would raise again, maybe to 40 or so. Yeah, I was thinking 50, actually. I don't okay, know yeah. I mean, something like that. A statement raise here. Um, and if the undergun shoves, and he, now now you can really stop and think, you know, hey, does he have aces there? And he may be able to walk away from this. Um but you know it's fifty. Let's let's make it a little tougher tougher for people to get in because the problem is if you just call now, now you've got to raise to twelve and you've got two callers. Now you're just inviting the whole rest of the table to come in at twelve bucks. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to set mine with kings on my last hand. So. No, nope, absolutely. All right, here says it's my biggest starting hand of the night. I was going to re-raise, but then I realized I hadn't re-raised all night and would be a giveaway, so I just called and everyone else folded. You know. I mean, I understand you want to be cagey and you want to be doing the opposite, you know, poker theorem, all that stuff. But seriously, I mean, you haven't won all night. You're down half your buy-in, basically. You know, it'd be nice to take some money back. I mean, yeah, there's a chance that if you just milk it, like my dad would, you know, open that it, more people stay in, they get more money, but it's just more chances for you to lose. I, I would definitely re-raise here. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, pot is uh, squiggly, 40 bucks, and the flop is king, seven, jack, rainbow, with one club, and both players check to us. Nice. Okay, so we, uh, we get a nice flop for us here. 
I mean, it's seriously. Nice a lot of ways, I think. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be somebody has ace-king and it's the case. Now you're going to get all their money. It could be somebody who's flopped a set of sevens. Now you're going to get all their money. Or could be somebody with pocket jacks and can get all their money. Yep. The only thing you're really afraid of is a draw. And not, you're not afraid of it. You're, you know, you want them to put money into the pot, but that's the only thing you're really protecting against. Plus, somebody, not, no one, most of the time at this level, a 1 3 game, very few people bet out when they hit top set. Right. They're afraid and they'll check it. So you need to bet here because this is the type of flop that would hit an under the gun razor and under the gun caller and hit them pretty strong. And you've hit it the best. So. I would definitely bet, and I would probably bet around, I don't know, around 30. Because the pot's about, what, 20, 30, 30, 40? Uh, 40. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I would bet around 30 or so. Yeah, I think 30's good. I was originally thinking 40, but that's a pot size. That might be a little too Yeah. Much. But 30 sounds good. And, um, you know, I think exactly what you said is why I like this flop. Is we got top sets. We got the best hand right now, obviously. But better than that, we have an undergun razor and an undergun plus one caller. I think there's some like check raising going on here. Um, where you're right, it could be ace king, it could be pocket jacks, could be pocket sevens, and they're hoping to see somebody take a stab at it, which is exactly what we want to happen. Um, and if not, if they got a hand where they're just scared of this king and they they know we haven't played a lot, all right, and now we bet and they get out, well, they weren't going to put any money in anyhow, so. Um, really, the key now is to make a bet, hopefully get raised by uh, a made hand that's worse than ours, um, or, worst case, uh, bet enough that it, it makes a draw uh, make a mistake. Yeah. So 30, I think, is, is fine. There you go. We agree. All right. Now, here it says, should I have bet more to end it there? I have to say I've been frustrated with my play my cards all night and saw this as an opportunity to make it all back. Also, not betting aggressively enough is one of my major leaks. Yeah, twenty five's not bad, I don't think. 30. It's just though the thing about twenty five, and again, it's it's only five dollars different than what we were saying, so I don't think it's going to stop. Well, Still more than half spot, dude. Yeah, so I mean that's not a bad bet, but I think thirty thirty five might, you know, discourage someone with say, you know, queen something to, to get out, you know, queen ten, maybe the open ended, maybe they'll call, maybe they won't, who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't twenty five's not bad, maybe a little more, but that's not bad. Yeah, I really don't think that extra five really yeah. would have made a big difference. Yeah, so, I agree. Again, I think we all know where this hand is going to end up, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, both players call. Uh, and he says they're both solid players, and the undergun plus one had just won a huge pot and, and probably had about 1,000 in front of him. I'd won my only big pot from him earlier that night. The turn is the deuce of clubs. So our board now is king, seven, jag, deuce with two clubs. And they both checked to us again. Okay, so we bet 25 and we got two callers. So that's 75. So there's like 115 in this pot already. And we started with 175 and bet 25 sets 150 plus the call. So we're down to like 138-ish, 130 anyway. There's 115 in the pot. And you get two check calls back-to-back. These guys are drawing. One of them is drawing. One of them's a little nervous. And he said, oh, I can only I can get there for 25. That's fine. Let me try one more time. So we need to put the hammer down now and be like, all right, you know, I know I got top set. I know I got the nuts right now, but these guys are clearly drawing, and I didn't make it expensive enough for them to go away last time. I need to bet, like, pot here, which is like 115. If I only have 130, I might as well shove. Yep. So let get it all in now and, and make them pay their your entire stack to try to make that straight or or whatever. Or maybe they think they're good. With set of sevens, and you'll get all you'll double through. So there's no way I'm betting a little bit now. I'm betting a ton now. Uh, I'm I'm shoving. It's it an easy shove for me. Yeah, me too. See, really, any defense <coughs> against that. So, <clears throat> all right, our hero bets forty. Oh, see, that's not enough because I mean, there's now with your oh. bet in there. Yeah, there's 150 in the middle. It's an easy call for someone who's open ended. You know, easy call. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and then you know the other guys will come. You know that's the thing. I I know we're. I don't think we're up against sets now. There's just no way because there's just no way. I think the guy would have come alive when we bet out, or he's going to come alive now. So 
you know, I don't think 40 is enough for a drawing hand to go away now. So yeah. I, I, we definitely need to bet more than that. And that's our fear, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, well, the other gun player folds, but the other player um, calls. The hmm. river is the ten of diamonds, so final board is king, seven, jack, deuce, ten. And now the under the gun player plus one bets 90. Oh. See, now that's sick because... I'll take ace-queen for 500, Alex. Yeah, I mean, that's like, okay, so you stuck, you, you called a raise or you whatever, and then you, you had a gutter and one over, and you called a bet, and then you still had a gutter and one over, and you called another bet. So you've put $65 in there on a gutter and one over, and now you've hit? That's insane. I, I don't. I mean, it's it's hand of the week, so you got to feel like he's he's beat here. But really, or even queen, what well, queen nine is a straight too. But really, you call the raise of queen nine, and then you called sixty five dollars on back to back, you know, total of back to back streets to hit a gutter. So one of these hands got there, and that's sick. Um, and that's that's pretty much our stack. But it got there, so that's the problem now. But I mean, that's the other thing, dude. Is when you have top set on a, this board, you have to. Does the story make sense to you? Does ace queen make sense to you, for four, or even queen nine? Do those hands make sense, or is this guy just trying to represent a hand and didn't think that we would figure it out? I mean, I suppose it could be king ten. Yeah, and he made two pair. Yeah. I mean that that would kind of make sense, I guess. And thinks that we had ace king all along. Could yeah. be one of those sets that was just slow playing the whole way, and now it's woken up, set of jacks, you know, or made a set of tens, didn't believe us, set of jacks, set of sevens. I mean, the problem here is, is we go back to what uh, the advice that Lee Childs always gave us, is you don't you don't want to be the one making decisions, you want to put other people to decisions, right? Right. So had we shoved on the turn, we would have been done with this hand, we would, in terms of decision making, yeah, no more chips left, so we can't do anything, Right. Right. Um, but no, we got cute, and we bet 40, and now that opened it up to this guy to bet out. Now here we are talking about, well, does he have ace queen? No, maybe he has king 10, or maybe he had a, a set of sevens, and now he's coming alive. We don't know. We don't know. It seems to me that it's ace queen, but, um, and I'm, I don't know if I could fold here, but I think I should fold here if that's the case. But you're right, it could be one of these other hands, and had we shoved on the other, on the turn, then they would have put the, been put to a test, not us. Now we're the one being put to a test. Right, and if they had one of those other hands, the bigger hands, the sevens and the set of sevens of jacks, they would have called our turn bet, and they would have been drawn the one out, and we would have doubled through. Yep. Now we're the one on the defensive, and we see a hand that can beat us, and we're not happy about it. Um, ah, man. That's really only one hand now that beats us, so that's the other thing. Yeah, I well. Well, two straights can be made here, but one that makes kind of sense is the oh, one yeah, that be right. Yeah, right. right. The ace queen kind of makes sense. Yeah, right. yeah, you're right. yeah. But would you really call all that money with gutters only? I mean, if you got a, you know, a grand in front of you, maybe sixty five dollars means nothing to you when you bought in for two or three hundred. Uh, that is true. The guy is sitting with a lot of money. He's had a good night, so he could be a little loosey with like ace, eight, nine of clubs, right? Yeah. 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 The guy. Yeah. Seriously, the guy could have had eight, nine. That's another hand. I mean, he could have. He could have said, well, I'll try to hit a gutter once. There's a club, and then it turns a club. Yeah. So now he's got four clubs. Oh, right, there you go. And now he's hit a gutter that he wasn't really sticking around for. So the clubs are the key there. So you stick around for 25 for a gutter. Now you've picked up a flush draw and to still have the gutter. And now the straight gets there. So it could be queen nine of clubs. It could be uh, ace remember, queen of clubs. The other part, on the turn, he closes out the betting. You know, he checked, and then we bet this week $40, which is perfect for our drawing hand. The other player gets out of the way, and now we call, we close out the betting. We don't have to worry about being re-raised now. Yeah. We're definitely seeing this river for another 40 we got got 1000 in front of us, and we've got a lot of outs. Especially if he has ace queen of clubs, because now he's got one over, the nut flush draw, and a gutter. To Broadway. Right. Wow. <clears throat> it's, it's weird calling it a gutter. It's just a one-outer, but it's that one uh, one car could do it. But um, uh, So that sucks. Wow. I mean, I don't think I could sit there that long and come up with all these things. You know, I think I would have probably called already and lost. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I would have sat there and thought of all this stuff. 
but the club, the second club, is what made me want to shove anyway. But I forgot yeah, he could, exactly. he's, he's backing into an extra draw here, and now he stuck around and hit the other draw, the first draw. Ooh, yeah, I probably would have already called, but I think we figured out how we lost. <laughs> yeah, well, we, I don't even know we lost. I'm just saying it has to be we lost. And this is the recreational player's weakness. Is now I'm going to say it's our last hand of the night. We've had a tough night. Um, now we've got top set. It's as Chris would say, unreal, unreal uh, that this happened. But I'm going to put it in, and and then I'm just going to punish myself all on the drive on the well. It looks like he didn't drive. It looks like he took a trainer cab or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, and go home thinking about just how poorly I played this and how bad um, my night was was, and then resolve to play better next time. Yeah. And if I get lucky, if I'm right, <clears throat> I may wrong and. I still do have the best hand, and man, that's good. But uh, but yeah, we, we I think we made a lot of mistakes here. So um, probably just by the way he coming alive here now, I do think we're beat. So probably the smartest thing is to fold and then really be ticked off at ourselves the rest of the night because we won't know. Um, but you still walk away with a hundred bucks, right? Rather than exactly. zero. Well, of course you'll say to yourself, "Yeah, but I could have walked away with four hundred. It's almost <laughs> like a ninety paying ninety dollars to. Drive home knowing, yeah, how bad you play this hand. Yeah. <laughs> Versus folding and having some money, and then uh, not being able to sleep, thinking, "Hey, did I just fold the best hand there?" Yeah, I mean, I guess if you really sat down and thought about it, you would fold because we've come up with a few plausible ways for this hand to have beaten us, and a few hands to do it. We've come up with ace queen of clubs, queen nine of clubs, eight nine of clubs. All those hands get there, and there's there, there's a reason for the guy to call. He's on a heater. He's got a grand in front of him. He, he wasn't the initial raiser, so he only called a raise. We didn't re-raise, so he got a free look for the price that was set originally. We only bet 25 which is easily enough for someone to hit a gutter who's on a heater of $1,000, you know. And then the turn, we didn't bet enough when he picked up an extra draw. We should have shoved on him and made him pay the full price, and he probably would have folded. Unless it was ace-queen of clubs, he might have called. So, <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. I mean, I think if you had enough time, you would have folded. Yeah. Um, but I'm probably calling just because I, in the heat of it, I can just imagine myself on one, on ship playing with our passengers, and I'd be like, I got top set. I can't let this go. You know, look how much money's out there. I got 90 in front of me, and there's, you know... Jeez, I'm calling. So I'm going to call, but I, I think we found out why we lost if we lose. All right. Ariel says, at this point, I am sure, sure that he has the straight, but I am so <laughs> mad at my lack of aggression earlier and so upset that my set is cracked that I just go all in out of frustration. Uh, I thought I had less than eighty, uh, less than $90, but I actually had 100 And, of course, he calls. I say, do you have ace-queen? He says, no, but I have a straight, and shows queen-nine of clubs. <sighs> I'll even huff. He says, I think I made many mistakes. One, should have raised pre-flop. Two, should have bet the turn more aggressively. Three, should have laid down my set and trusted my gut on the river. I think my actions on number three were the worst because I let my emotions get ahead of me and was feeling sorry for myself rather than playing correctly. Yeah, you look at number one, clearly if you make it 50, like Scott was saying, I think the queen nine goes away. Maybe the under gun even goes away, and you just take down a nice little $25 pot, and you're back to 200 at least. Yeah, then you go home pissed <laughs> off that you just won. <laughs> yeah, but at least you go home with money. On your final thing, yeah. rather than going home upset that you lost all your money. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the turn bet, sure. I mean, shove and turn, and then if he still wants to call with queen nine, you know, now he's not even calling with the nut hand. He's he's really making a mistake, so he's probably folding. Um, but if he calls, then hey, you made the right move. But even if he didn't fold. <laughs> He made the he would make the wrong decision. Right, that's what I'm saying. You made the right one. He made the wrong one. So, right. so there you go. And then in the end, yeah, I think after we did that, that's a long discussion we had about it. Though somebody would have called the clock on you if you went through what we went through to get it. To well, that but here's point, the but. thing, though. He says, I think my actions on number three were the worst. Um, but here's the thing: if you didn't do one or two, you wouldn't have had three to worry about. That's right. You wouldn't have had that's those feelings. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. If you do any one of those other two, then three, I don't think it's going to be uh, a situation for you. It could be. I mean, this guy had a lot of money. He seemed to be on a heater tonight. So who knows? I mean, you could have done both one and two properly, and he could still be at the end. And then at that point, 
then you're down to just that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I think either one of those other things would have avoided this whole situation, and you wouldn't have had to worry about three. So yeah. Is that thunder? It's thundering. Here. Man, we we better get off the air before uh, we can't wrap up the show. So looking forward to starting year thirteen next week. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Did I lose you? No. <laughs> you haven't thought, said anything for the last two I seconds. I thought we had a nice little segue there because you got... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I thought you had one more thing to say about it. I'm sorry. And I thought you were going to like, you know... I mean, 12 years, you would think you'd just like segue right into it. <laughs>